Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. So here Jesus chases out those that were buying and selling in the temple. And notice it says in verse 17, his disciples, excuse me, it says, then his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. And this is in Psalm 69, 9. And what it's talking about is, because God, I want to see your temple right and do well and all these things. That motivated Jesus to chase those money changers out. Because again, there are those that will take advantage of, of, of people. I, I see all the things that religions offer people and, 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 and false hope and all those things. And none of those things are really going to make a difference. What makes a difference is your personal relationship with Christ. That's what makes the difference. And so then he says, the Jews answered and said to Jesus, what sign do you show us since you do all these things? What, what gives you the right to come into our place of business and chase out all the money changers? Well, well where do you get off doing that? Now it's interesting that they wanted to see a sign. A lot of people are like that. In fact, one of the things you'll see as we read on through here is you're going to find that many people believe because of the signs that Jesus did. But oftentimes the signs that Jesus did that caused them to believe, it wasn't a real deep commitment. God knew that. And so he says, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I'll rise it up. Now, he's speaking of himself here. That's the sign you're going to know that I had the right to clean the temple out. Because Jesus really is addressing that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see here. Then the Jews said to him, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. We also find this in John chapter 10. Where Jesus said, I lay my life down, I take it up, no one takes my life from me. And so nobody killed Jesus. Actually, Jesus laid his life down for us. Now, people will say, well, what about the Romans? They killed Jesus. Or what about the Jews that had him killed? It tells me Jews and Gentiles, both alike, were all guilty of the death of Christ. I know during the Second World War, Adolf Hitler, to bring hatred against the Jews, said that the Jews killed Jesus. But friends, that's not all completely true. We remember that Pontius Pilate said, I see no fault in this man. Washed his hands publicly. I am innocent of his blood. No, you're not, because you could have let him go, and you didn't. You see, there's none righteous, the Bible says. No, not one. And so when Jesus is speaking there, tear the temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, we find in Romans that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. 
Then in the same verse, it says that the Father raised him from the dead. Now we find here in John chapter 2, Jesus himself saying he raised himself from the dead. Well, that tells me that God raised him from the dead, which tells me Jesus is God. Somebody said one time, well, he's not God, he's God's son. No, the Bible said he is God. In fact, they're walking along in John 14. And they said, show us the Father and it'll satisfy us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? You don't know who I am? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus is the Father, but he's in the express image of the Father. And probably one of the hardest things for people to grasp is this thing called the Trinity. It is real. The Bible speaks of it. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word for God there is the word Elohim. And Elohim means the plurality of gods. Now, it isn't speaking of Zeus, Herman, Zeus, uh, uh, Buddha. No, the Bible tells you who this Elohim is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All living uh, in love with each other, interchanging identities with each other at times, and yet every one of them having their own separate identity. Somebody tries to sometimes explain it as a tree. You have the roots, you have the stump, and you have the, the branches and the leaves. It's all tree. There's no part of that tree that's lesser than a tree. But even that, that's not a very good illustration. People have used an egg. And I kind of like that the best because you have the shell, you have the white part, you have the yolk. It's all egg. In fact, if you take away the shell, you don't really have an egg anymore. You might have an omelet, but you don't have an egg. But it's all part, and every part has its function. But the love of God in the Trinity goes beyond that where we find them actually interchanging identities at times. And so we find that here as well. Jesus said, tear the temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. He was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. That's why, friends, I believe that when we read the Bible, though we may not always understand what we're reading, that does not mean that God will not use that in a future time in your life. I've had people say, well, I've tried reading the Bible and I I don't understand everything I'm reading. Probably not. You probably won't. I don't understand maybe everything exactly how a TV set works, but I know it works. And that's the same way that people say, well, I won't believe until I completely understand everything going on. Well, then you'll never do anything in your life because there's so many things in our lives we don't understand everything about. We're still learning and still being taught not only things of God, but even how everything around us works. Hard to believe that there's actually pictures flying through the room right now of people and individuals and TV commercials. And if you had a TV set, you could pick it up and see that. But if you were to tell somebody that, they wouldn't believe you. That's how God works. God explains to us what we need to know. But God, I don't understand that right now. God says, just keep it in the back of your heart. You will. I can still see Jesus. And it was really funny. They really liked the idea of all-you-can-eat fish and chips. This is what Jesus did when he fed the 5,000. Multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And and they all show up, and they all had their bellies full. And the next day they followed him because they liked it so much. I guess they wanted to do it again. So they followed him to the north side of the Galilee. 
And Jesus, seeing the crowds, realized that they were really following for the miracles, not because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And so he looked at the multitude, 5,000 men, we don't know how many women and children. He said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And the Bible says they all laughed. I mean, talk about going from from, uh, a crowd of 10,000 to 12. Hey, listen, Jesus did it. And you know what? Jesus did it on purpose too. Now, it's just the opposite today because we have we have people that will say things to bring the crowds in. Jesus would say things to make the crowds go away. Isn't that weird? But that's the way Jesus works. Now, here's another reason why I believe. Because it's only the pure in heart that are going anyway. God knows what to say to cause that to happen. And so we remember that when Jesus said, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part of me, they all left. Jesus looks and said, are you guys going to leave as well? To the twelve. And Peter said, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I mean, I kind of don't understand these kooky things you're saying right now, but uh, we know that we've been around you enough to know you have the words of eternal life. A few weeks later, they're in the upper room. And Jesus holds up the bread and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Holds up the cup said, this is my blood which is shed for you. I can just see the disciples going, oh, that's what he was talking about. Eat my body, drink my blood. This is my blood, my blood, this is my bread. Oh, we get it now. I can just see Jesus. I can see them, the light coming on. But that's the way it is with us. Sometimes as we'll read our Bibles and we'll be in our relationship with God and God says, I need you to get out of this relationship or I need you to uh, uh, stay away from this group of friends or I need you to stop doing something. And we go, oh God, you know, I don't really understand it. I don't see why. I don't see what's wrong with it, but we really feel an unction from the Holy Spirit not to stay where we're at. And and all of a sudden God then speaks to us and, and, and we really feel that conviction to get away from this group of people. I, I've had that in my life, friends. I had that where I heard the voice of God say, you get away from this particular person. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, But I did what he said. Was there times I had regretted getting away from that person? Yes. But I knew God was right. And I look back and I realize that voice of God was to protect me. And I may not always, you may not always understand when God tells you something from his word. But if you stay faithful to him, you will see why he told you that. These words are not just written to entertain us or to make the Bible bigger to better squash locks of baby hair or store two dollar bills. These words are written so that we would have life. And I may not always understand everything God's doing, but God never told me to understand everything. He said, walk by faith. That means I trust him at his word and we do what he says. And so he tells us here, they remembered. Whenever I see in the Bible the word remembered, that tells me there was a lapse of either faith or a lapse of understanding. Sometimes you might want to underline that word because the word remember means you call into recollection. And you're going to find this in your Christian experience where all of a sudden you'll be doing something and God's word will speak to you that you didn't understand. And all of a sudden it's got like God puts this giant jigsaw puzzle in your mind together and you go, 
Oh, I get it now. And I think that's why a lot of times it is with people sometimes that even accept Christ. You know, you'll hear these crazy stories about how somebody, their mom, grandpa, aunt, uncle, they'll be witnessing to their nephew or their son or their daughter or whatever for years and 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 years. And they'll be walking down the street. A track. One of those little gospel tracks, you know, four spiritual laws or a chick track or something like that, will stick to the bottom of their shoe. And they oh, what's this? And they pull the track off the vine. Wow, I want to accept Christ. And you go, what were you listening for the last years and years and years? It's the way God works. It's where it becomes real. All the pieces fall together and the gospel makes sense. Why is that? Because we're slow to understand. We just are. People are just that way. Don't get frustrated with your kids. Don't get frustrated with your boss or your employees or or, or get frustrated with yourself when you don't get it all at once. Because sometimes it takes time. Now what's amazing to me is we read here, these next couple of verses say a lot about the nature of people. And God loves people. He understands people. And this is why I believe we have these words recorded for us. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Now, friends, this is interesting because it is Passover. They had said to Jesus earlier, what signs will you do to give us the assurance that what you're doing in cleaning the temple out is okay? Evidently, Jesus was doing a lot of signs. Not just cleaning out the temple, but he was doing a lot of things here. And the word here, many believed, is the same word, commit. Now, many committed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. Whoa, that's weird. Because he knew all men. Wow. By the way, it's the same word. The word believe there in verse 23 and the word commit in verse 24 is the same word. So many people believed, but Jesus recognized it was a shallow belief and he did not give himself to them. Notice the rest of this. Because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You know, the Bible says we're made from the dust of the earth. Uh, You know, I, I think a lot of times, sometimes we expect more out of people, out of our fellow dirt balls than ourselves. The Bible says we were scraped up from the dust. God breathed his pneuma, his spirit into us, and we became a living soul. And you think about that for a minute, and you think, wow, God made us from the dust of the earth. God knows what's in the heart of man. And the Bible says Jesus did not commit himself to men in this regard. Yes, he did die for us. Yes, he did commit himself to us in that regard. But what it's talking about here, you know, You have to be careful with relationships. That's what I believe it's speaking of here. And people can change on you. And many people are burned and hurt and things like that. But you don't focus on people. You focus on Jesus. Because if you focus on people, people, let me tell you, will let you down. They just do. 
Well, I'll never fail you, Lord. Well, if you have ever said that and you've recognized your own self getting a a stride from the master's side, you'll know that you didn't do everything you said you'd do. Jesus was really careful. He said, you know, uh, there is that to commit yourself to somebody and then they may burn you. But Jesus wasn't here for those kind of relationships. He was here to die for the sins of men. Notice it says, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. What? They're fickle. You wonder how fickle others are? Look at our own selves. I'll never do that. Then you find yourself doing that. Have you ever done that? I have. You know, you think about these different uh, things that that come upon a person and, and, and they, oh, I'm never going to do that. And, and you find yourself finding falling into the same trap as others have fallen into. That's why we need to be careful. And you know, it's funny, even Solomon said, he said, one friend in a thousand men. And then he goes on and says, never in a woman. That's what he said. I guess maybe he knows he was had a thousand women. I, I don't know how, I can't imagine what life around his home was like. You know, well, honey, I'll see you in three years. You know, I mean, I'd, I don't know. That's crazy. But the Bible tells us that finding a friend is a rare thing. That's something you can trust. I think we've all been burned by people we've trusted. You know, you tell them the secrets of your heart and you, and you counsel with them only to find it all over the internet the next day. Isn't that weird? But see, people have agendas and they have, they have this, this, this other thing. But you know what? Jesus doesn't. Jesus has got your best at heart because he loves you and he knows what's going to be best for you. The problem is that we find over and over again that, that God is faithful and this is the problem, man's not. So your relationship with God is what's first and foremost. We can substitute it with a lot of other things. We can think we're the leader of the pack. We got the crowd and we've talked about this many times before, but a lot of times we're everybody's friends when we got money and especially you go back in high school, you got a car, you got gas, you're everybody's friend. When daddy takes the T-bird away and you're sitting at home, nobody calls you. Why? Because there's somebody else with a car and gas. This is what it's talking about here. God knows what's in the heart of men. <clears throat> but what you know what's really amazing to me, God knowing what's in the heart of men still chose to love us, chose to die for us, because he saw us for what we could be, not for what we are. And friends, that's really the message of the gospel. Jesus changes lives. Changes yours. Changes mine. You're not what you were yesterday. You can't go back and fix yesterday. Oh, if you've wronged anybody, you can certainly say you're sorry. And and that's good. But that's why we need to be mindful of the way we live. And of course, we know our words. Words are something you say you can never take back. You can say you're sorry for what you said, but those words still came out. And so that's why I believe the Bible says we need to be very careful what we say, because if we say things that offend and things that are mean, things that are nasty, we can say we're sorry, but the cut's already been made. 
You see, Jesus knows what we need. The Bible says he knows what we need before we ask him. I like that. In other words, I didn't have to visualize it. I didn't have to blab it and grab it. I didn't have to use my faith words. I didn't have, some of you probably have heard some of these different teachers that go around saying, well, whatever you want, you just keep saying, I want that car, I want that car, I want that car, I want that car. And then, there it is. Well, the problem is, is that that's not really biblical. The Bible says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. What's the purpose? Well, my name means in my purpose, in my kingdom. That's what it means. And the second thing is, God already knows our needs before we ask. Like, I'm going to tell God I need something, and he goes, oh, I'm glad you told me that. I would have never figured that out. No, God already knows. And because God already knows what you need, all God's called me to do is trust in him. You see, I don't want to come to God, like maybe these guys, believing shallowly because of the miracles that he did, which sometimes can lead to fickleness, but rather saying, God, well, I think it was best said, though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. You see, we're committed to Christ, not because of the goodies I get from God, but because he's good and I'm his servant. But not just a servant, but the Bible says a friend. And he looks at us as a brother or a sister. Unfortunately, today, much of our Christianity is based upon Jesus being my friend, but nothing else. He's not king. He's not Lord. He's my friend. He's my big buddy upstairs, my, my go-to guy. God says, I want to be that, but also we have to realize that he's our king. And I would just like to encourage you in your relationship with God, first of all, that you recognize his lordship in your life. No longer I, Paul says, live, but Christ who lives within me. That, that's the first thing. The second thing that we need is that really to recognize his love for us. I don't think we ever really, ever really completely will know that till we go be with him. Because his love is much greater than anything I understand. His grace is much greater than anything that I understand. Uh, we all deserve death, but because God's good, he gives us life. And I, I think, wow, God, that's really cool. But God has a way of doing and making things that we don't understand understandable if we follow him. I've had people that I know that I've talked to over the years who walk with the Lord, but because God did something they didn't understand or felt God was unfair, they stopped walking with him. Well, it just gets back to as we talked earlier. They didn't understand. They forgot. They need to remember. And I need to remember. That's why we get together. That's why we pray together. That's why we fellowship together. Because, you know, when we do that, that reminds us, hey, God's got a purpose for me. God's got a purpose for you. And though I might be a dirt ball, and you might sometimes be a dirt ball, well, maybe change that. God, that most of the time I'm a dirt ball and my friends aren't, but I still love them. Together we do something for the kingdom of God we can't do by ourselves. Your relationship with God is, is first and foremost. That's the most important thing. It's not hinged upon others. Jesus knew it was in the hearts of men. And people are fickle. Even Peter, good old Peter, Caiaphas, Rocky, na-na-na guy. I'll never deny you, Lord. I'm willing to go to the cross and die for you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. 
You'd think probably Peter would have woke up on the first cock crow when he was denying the Lord. But by the second cock crow, he had denied him three times. And that's when the Bible said Jesus uh, uh, looked at him and he went out, Peter went out bitterly and wept. I see that and, and I think this is true. And I think sometimes we expect more out of others than, than they're capable of giving. People will always let you down, but Jesus never fails. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.